This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher, Jeremy Myers. We're diving into Jonah chapter 2 today. This is episode number 74. This is Jonah's prayer from the belly of the fish. And we can learn a lot from Jonah's prayer about our own prayer life. I don't know sort of how you learn to pray. There's lots of bad habits about prayer out there. And one helpful thing is to pray the prayers of Scripture. You know, pray uh, Daniel's prayer from Daniel 9, prayer of Jesus, Matthew 6. Any of the numerous prayers of Paul found throughout his letters. Uh, of course, there's the Psalms. It's always helpful to pray the Psalms. There's a Psalm for at least for every emotion, every issue you're dealing with. One thing I encourage you not to do, though, is to pray the prayer of Jonah, <laughs> as it's found in Jonah 2. It may be the worst prayer in the entire Bible. That's what we are going to begin seeing today. Before we get to that, though, uh, you know I have a new book out. It's called Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And I want to invite you, There's a, tell you about a way that you can begin reading it for free. In case you haven't bought it already, you're trying to decide whether to buy it or not. And there's two steps to this. Uh, I put it on Kindle Unlimited on Amazon. What that means is, you, if you have a way to read Kindle books, and you are part of Kindle Unlimited, that means you can read it for free. Now you say, Jeremy, I don't have a Kindle and I don't want to pay for Kindle Unlimited. That's all right. Uh, You can first download the Kindle Reader on your computer, on your smartphone, on your tablet. And to do that, just go to redeeminggod.com slash KR for Kindle Reader, KR. And uh, that will show you a way to download the app. Absolutely free, no charge for that ever. Then once you have that, you can sign up for free to Kindle Unlimited for 30 days. Now, usually it's $9.99 a month, but uh, once you sign up, it's free for the first 30 days. So if you don't want to pay for it after that, just make sure you cancel it. But uh, to do that, just go to redeeminggod.com slash KU for Kindle Unlimited, KU. And uh, that'll take you to the page where you can sign up for free for 30 days. So so those are the two steps. Redeeminggod.com slash KR for Kindle Reader. Get your free app. Then redeeminggod.com slash KU for Kindle Unlimited. And then uh, once you do that, just go find my book and uh, it's available uh, on Kindle Unlimited. Now I'm going to take it off eventually, so take advantage of this now. I'm not going to leave it on Kindle Unlimited forever, probably just a couple months. Uh, But that allows you to read it and then decide if you want to buy the whole thing so you can, you know, get the paperback or even buy it for your Kindle or for your free Kindle app. Anyway, um, I think you really enjoy that book. Lots of details in there about scripture, how to understand sacrifice, blood of Jesus, all those sorts of things, and especially the violence of God in the Bible. So anyway, uh, let's turn to the book of Jonah, see what we can learn about prayer. Now, many believe that Jonah's prayer is sort of this model prayer in scripture. You know, they, they read it. The initial impression is that it's full of repentance and sorrow and promises by Jonah. If only you let me out of here. I will go to the temple and I will worship you and I will make sacrifices, okay? I will obey you, God. Lots of people read the prayer of Jonah that way. But I want to invite you to sort of step back and look at the prayer of Jonah uh, a little bit in more detail. And when we do this, 
And especially when we compare the prayer of Jonah to Jonah's behavior in chapter 1, a a new picture about this prayer is going to emerge. Uh, It's not a model prayer. Now, remember, throughout Jonah chapter 1, we saw Jonah disobeying God. uh, Throughout the whole chapter, he's really thinking only about himself. He doesn't care about the sailors, whether they live or die. He doesn't care about their livelihood. He doesn't care even that he teaches horrible theology to the sailors. And it sort of seems throughout that chapter 1 that he sort of thinks he's better than the sailors in every way. And Jonah chapter 2 is more the same. Uh, if, if, if There's lots of scholars who think, when they think that Jonah chapter 2 is this great prayer, uh, they, they think that Jonah chapter 2 doesn't fit with the rest of the book. And that's because Jonah chapter 2 is not a great prayer. When it, it, once we see that Jonah chapter 2, his prayer here is a terrible prayer, it fits perfectly with uh, everything else going on in Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 3 and 4, as we'll see later on in our study. Okay, so um, jo- Jonah, it's, it, there's, there's lots of people think there's repentance, confession, sorrow, promises, obedience, all these sorts of things. And if you read this prayer carefully, you see actually none of those things are there. Uh, this is a selfish, self-centered, self-righteous prayer from Jonah. And, and lots of people have noticed, it's not just me, there's a pastor down in Texas, you can get a lot of his sermons on Bible.org, uh, Bob Deffenbaugh, I highly recommend his uh, sermons, excellent uh, insights into scripture. He says this about Jonah's prayer, he says, I look at this like I do a three-quarter inch snowfall on a garbage dump. <laughs> it looks beautiful, until you begin to stir around a little. At first glance, it has all the appearance of piety, but after a little probing and reflection, it proves to be more of a religious sham than anything else. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Three-quarter inch snowfall on a garbage dump. Um, You know, Jonah's prayer, all it does, it's more of the same from Jonah. Arrogance, pride, selfishness, you know, in this persistent belief that God's grace is only for himself and others like him, not for anybody else. So today, really, we're just looking at verse 1, and there's really not much here. It says he prayed. Uh, Jonah prayed to the Lord's God from the fish's belly. Okay, That's all we need to say. I'm just introducing you to the prayer, and then in future podcast episodes, we will look at uh, the various verses and, and sort of the details uh, in, in, you know, to see it more clearly. So uh, to see why Jonah's prayer is not a model prayer, it's important to read the prayer in context with the rest of the book, all right? Uh, To to see Jonah's behavior, both in chapter 1 and chapter 3 and 4. And when we do this, I'm convinced that we, 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 we begin to see Jonah's prayer is a lot like the prayer of the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, uh, where Jesus talks about these two men who prayed. First, there's this tax collector who beats his breast and cries out to God, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? And Jesus praises his prayer. Uh, But then there's this Pharisee who sort of looks down his nose at this sinful tax collector and says, you know, thank you, God, that I'm not like this horrible sinner. And uh, Jesus says it's the tax collector, not the Pharisee, who went home justified that day, all right? Jonah's prayer is like the prayer of the Pharisee. It is so self-righteous. He doesn't see or agree or admit or confess that he's done anything wrong. And throughout the entire prayer, he's focusing only on himself and what he will do for God. All right? 
Now, and we'll see this, he makes several sort of allusions or references to those ignorant, idol-worshiping pagan sailors on the boat. He he compares himself to them throughout the prayer. He snidely sort of implies to God, they don't know what they're doing, but I do. You know, they won't keep their promises to you, but I will, right? Uh, he compares himself to them, just like the, the Pharisee in Luke 18.11. He claims he's morally and spiritually superior. Now, ironically, it's actually the exact opposite, just like this, uh, the, the prayer of the tax collector and the Pharisee in Luke 18. Right? It's the sailors who acted in obedience to faith, even though they had limited understanding and revelation about God, no thanks to Jonah. And uh, it's, it's the sailors in Jonah chapter 1 who are doing what they can to save their life and everyone on the boat. Of course, Jonah, he's disobeying God. He's down there sleeping in, in the belly of the boat, giving the sailors false information, false theology. He doesn't care about their life or his. Okay? In, in chapter 1, it's the wind, the waves, the sailors. Everybody's obeying God. God sends the fish. God uh, sends the wind, the waves. You know, God... Um, it calms the storm after they 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 throw Jonah into the waves. Everybody's obeying God except for Jonah. He's the only. He's claiming here in Jonah chapter two be the only faithful and obedient one, but really he's the only disobedient and unfaithful one. So uh, anyway, throughout this entire prayer, Jonah chapter two, uh, he, he talks a lot about his prayers, how he will worship God, his plans, how he will sacrifice to God. You know, but even still, he says not one word about repentance or confession or sorrow. He doesn't say anything about admitting how he disobeyed God. Nothing about a renewed commitment to obey God. He doesn't even mention Nineveh. <laughs> Read through it, you'll see. Nothing, you get me out of here, I'll go to Nineveh. Nothing like that. It seems, according to Jonah's prayer, that even if he were to escape from the belly of the fish, he has no plans to go to Nineveh. Instead, he wants to go to Jerusalem, <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, you know, to worship, worship God in his temple. But we'll talk about that in future episodes. It's not actually Jerusalem he wants to go to, but we'll see that in future episodes. Okay, now, aside from all this, even the vocabulary, the words Jonah uses in this prayer, it's a self-righteous attitude he reveals. Look, if you were to take Jonah's prayer and compare it to some of the other prayers in Scripture, such as the uh, the prayer in uh, Daniel 9 that I mentioned earlier, all right, you go look at Daniel prayer in Daniel 9, and Daniel, he was a pretty upright, righteous guy, <laughs> completely different from Jonah. But Daniel's prayer is full of confession and repentance and thanksgiving to God. Daniel is saying, you know, he, he's including himself in the sins of the nation. Daniel focuses on what God has done for people. Uh, you know, Daniel spends a lot of his time praying for repentance. Daniel's pretty faultless overall, I would think, maybe completely. Uh, they're the sins of his fellow Israelites, but he's identifying himself with them and their sin, placing their guilt as upon himself. And he's praying to God for, for forgiveness and restoration. Daniel's prayer in Daniel 9 is a wonderful prayer. Of a penitent man. Not like Jonah's. Now we could look at other prayers. Uh, you know, again, the Psalms. I mentioned the Psalms earlier. Now, Jonah makes frequent, and by the way, this is a, a legitimate comparison because Jonah, in this prayer, he does refer to the Psalms, various Psalms, in almost every line of his prayer. 
I mean, there's there's references to Psalm 18, 27, 31, 32, 35, 50, okay? Um, by the way, I'm putting transcripts up now for my podcast, and so if you want to see some of the Psalms that are referred to, I'll just list them there in the transcript there, so I don't have to say them all here in the podcast. If, uh, and you can get those transcripts by being part of my discipleship group online, um, and also uh, MP3 downloads that way also. Those, those uh, went up yesterday, and I'll try and cl- include them in future podcast episodes. So anyway... Uh, Jonah, he does allude to the Psalms a lot. And so one could compare the themes and, and wording and terminology of the Psalms and then compare it with, with Jonah. And, and we, we see how the Psalms contain numerous statements of praise and adoration to God, where, whereas Jonah is pretty much only talking about himself and how great he is and how obedient and wonderful uh, and, and you know all, all, how wonderful he is compared to the sailors. Now, when you do this, and let's just take one example, just take the pronouns. On average, you, you go take uh, pretty much any psalm or the book of Psalms as a whole. On average, uh, there, there are uh, 6% of the words in the psalms are personal pronouns. You know, a pronoun, I, me, my, that sort of a thing. That's a personal pronoun referring to the psalmist, the one who is who's saying the psalm, writing the psalm. Uh, you know, that, that varies from psalm to psalm, but really, um, you know, some psalms contain a higher percentage of personal pronouns and others don't. But um, look, in general, much like Daniel, when the psalmists talk about themselves, it's usually for their own sin, their own disobedience, their own rebellion. They're asking God to forgive them and grant them mercy. Okay, so you go through the psalms, about 6% are personal pronouns, but even then, when the psalmist is referring to themselves, it's, uh, I'm sorry, God. Will you forgive me, God? Um, you know, if you restore me, God, then I will sacrifice. Then I will, okay? It's all confession, repentance, th- those sorts of things. All right, now Jonah, <laughs> he doubles the personal pronouns. Personal pronouns in Jonah chapter 2 make 12% of the words. There's uh, 201 words and 24 of them are personal pronouns. This is in the Hebrew. Uh, so that's double what we find in the Psalms, okay? And, uh, but even then, when you go through that, not one, not a single one is in reference to repentance or confession or how he disobeyed God, how he's rebelling against God, nothing. <laughs> Jonah borrows a lot of his terminology from the book of Psalms, but not the spirit of the Psalms. Psalms are pious, repentance, worshipful, praising God. Jonah's is a shallow, self-centered prayer. Me, 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 I, 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 I'm so great. I'm so, I will worship you, those sailors, okay? Jonah focuses on himself through the entire prayer. His needs, his worries, what he has done, how righteous he is, how he will keep his vows, right? How he will offer true sacrifices to God. It's all about him and how great and spiritual he is. All right? So that's another aspect that shows Jonah's prayer is pretty pathetic. One final aspect of the prayer we just want to consider, uh, and I mentioned it uh, previously, but I just want to focus on this, just the complete lack of repentance. He doesn't confess anything to God. He is not sorry for disobeying God. And that's important because... Remember, you and I, as readers of this story, have been told in verse 17, chapter 1, verse 17, 
that Jonah is going to escape from the belly of the fish. It says that he, he spent three days, three nights in the belly of the fish. Now, from that statement, we know he's going to get out. But put yourself in Jonah's sandals. Jonah, in the belly of the fish, at this time, when he's praying this prayer, he does not know that he is going to get out. In fact, quite to the contrary, I'm convinced, just from the wording of the prayer, that Jonah believes he is going to die in the belly of the fish. I mean, look, (laughs) Uh, first of all, it was extremely rare to survive getting thrown overboard, right? You get thrown overboard, you're going to die. So we looked at that in Jonah chapter 1. Jonah wanted to die. He expected to die. He basically told the sailors, kill me. That will make God happy. And so when he got thrown into the water, he thought he was going to drown. He was going to die. But that didn't happen. God sent a fish, and Jonah gets swallowed. <laughs> All right, you are a human. You get thrown into the ocean. You get swallowed by a great fish. Now, do you possibly think you are going to get out of the belly of that fish? <laughs> no. You think you're going to die. You're going to get digested down there, right? So uh, that's what Jonah thinks. It was extremely rare, impossible, unheard of for anybody to escape from the belly of a great fish that just ate you. So Jonah's prayer must be read in that light. He assumes that this is it for him. He's going to die in the belly of the fish. So when we look at, that, at this prayer, starting next time in verse 2, we're going to go with that mindset. This is a prayer of a man who is about to die. All right, and, and so we'll see. He, he doesn't even make any request to get me out. He never says in the prayer, God, will you please deliver me from this fish? Will you please get me out of here? Okay. Now, he does say that he's going to make sacrifices to God and worship in his only temple. But uh, since Jonah thinks he's going to die in this fish, those are all references to making sacrifices to God and worshiping God in the holy temple in heaven, in the afterlife where the saints go after they die. That's what Jonah's referring to. He expects to die in the fish and then be with God in his holy temple in heaven. And that's, again, another reason why he doesn't mention Jerusalem. He doesn't mention Nineveh. He doesn't say, God, if you get me out of here, then I will go to Nineveh. No, Jonah is relieved here that he doesn't have to go to Nineveh. Why? Because he's going to die. And now he can be with God in the eternal state, in the eternal kingdom, in heaven. He can worship God there, make sacrifices to God there, and everything is going to be fine. So again, Jonah, Jonah 2, it's, it's a self-righteous prayer of a man who believes he is about to die. By the way, if you sort of wonder that this is the right way to read the story, uh, the prayer, the, the end of the chapter tells us, uh, after Jonah prays, God speaks to the fish and it vomits Jonah up. Uh, the word for vomit there indicates this is, this is God's response to Jonah's prayer. <laughs> Jonah even made the fish sick to its stomach. All right, it's sort of a joke at the end of chapter two. I, I just sort of ruined the story for you a little bit, I suppose. Um, but, uh, it's building up, you know, as Jonah prays, just sort of forget I told you that. It's, it really is, as you get to the end of Jonah chapter two, it, it's, there's this tension like, oh, what is wrong with Jonah's prayer? Why is he praying this? We get to the end of the story and there's just supposed to be this tension. Ah, oh, 
how is God going to respond to this? How is what's God? How is God going to answer Jonah's prayer here? Even though he didn't ask for anything, and we see at the end of the story, uh, God tells the fish to to do you know spit up Jonah, and, and the fish spits up God, and the fish are sick to their stomach with Jonah's prayer. It's just a punchline at the end of the prayer. Very funny. Anyway, look. Uh, in closing, that's all I have to say about this opening. We'll look a lot more detail in future podcast episodes at the prayer itself. I just want to encourage you, though, in closing, one thing we can take from Jonah's prayer is how not to pray. So I invite you, start listening to your own prayers. What do you talk to God about? What do you say? What do you pray for? What are your petitions? Do you ever include any confession and repentance? Those are important part of prayers as well, communicating with God. And especially... What are the pronouns you use most in your prayers? Do you include a lot of me, my, I, right? Me, myself, and I. If you do, then there's nothing wrong with that. If they are often in context with repentance and confession. Uh, But I also encourage you to start praying for other people. Include pronouns like you, they, them, he, she, right? Start praying for other people. Start focusing on God. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for yourself. It's fine. But just make sure that your prayer requests are balanced. Focusing on God, focusing on other people, focusing on uh, petitions, supplications, those sorts of things for other people. Uh, and, and also, focus when you do focus on yourself, not just about what you want and what you will do, what you need, but also where you have failed where you have gone wrong, and asking God for forgiveness and for repentance and for confession and contrite spirit. And we'll be talking a lot more about that as we go through this prayer in Jonah chapter 2. So uh, that's all I have for today. And uh, join me next time as we pick up in verse 2, begin to look at Jonah's prayer in more detail. Hey, and as we close out today, remember those two links I gave you at the beginning. If you want to uh, start reading my new book for free, if, if you have a Kindle... Don't worry about it. Just go to the second step. You can uh, go to uh, KU, redeeminggod.com slash KU to get uh, Kindle Unlimited for free for the, for 30 days. Make sure you cancel it after the 30 days are up unless you want to start paying $9.99 a month. Um, but if you don't have a Kindle, then you can get the, the, the free app, the, the reading app. Just go to redeeminggod.com slash KR for the Kindle Reader app. All right, KR. And uh, those two links... You can get the app if you don't have a Kindle or don't have the app already. And you can sign up for Kindle Unlimited for free. And then just find my book on Amazon. Uh, Search for Nothing But the Blood of Jesus book. And uh, you'll see that it is available there in Kindle Unlimited. And again, I don't know if you're listening to this months and months from now after I've recorded this. Probably this deal will no longer be good. I will be taking it off Kindle Unlimited eventually. And, uh, but, uh... That way you can can uh, still get. Now, if you're listening to this months from now, I did put the first chapter up on my blog this last week. Uh, just sort of go through the archives and find the podcast. I'm sorry, the blog post from April 17th, 2017. And uh, I have the first chapter there. You can read that and also get an idea for what is in the book itself. Anyway, thanks for listening. Join me next week as we dive into Jonah chapter 2, this self-righteous, self-centered prayer of Jonah. (laughs) See you then.